This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. 45 yards rushing on the drive. Here's a cutback for the touchdown for Crowell. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, I am going to give my Le'Veon Bell argument. Uh, not going to be any guest. I'm just going to distill everything that I've had to chop up into tweets fighting about over the past few days into making my case about why the Jets should go after and try to sign Le'Veon Bell this offseason. Uh, make sure to check out uh, our previous two episodes from the past few days. We uh, loaded up actually this week during the bye week. Usually we're once a week on Thursdays, but this week we had a Wednesday episode with Brian Bassett talking about potential regime change for the Jets, uh, some organizational politics and what we expect to happen uh, in the next few months. And then on Friday, I talked with Jason Fitzgerald of Over the Cap, his first time on the podcast. Really good half-hour conversation about the Jets' salary cap allocation, the roster construction, and how they could potentially dig themselves out of the hole that they've put themselves in uh, in having one of the league's worst rosters currently at the moment. Uh, two really unique conversations and approaches uh, to what the Jets' current situation is right now. Both Brian and Jason were, were really good guests. So subscribe on iTunes, check it out on Google Play, check it out on Spotify. Uh, and then for today's episode, as I said, uh, we're going to jump into talking Le'Veon Bell. Now, this reminds me a little bit of last year with Kirk Cousins, where the season is basically over in November. No one really cares all that much about the outcome of the final few games, which is a shame. I think everyone cares about how Sam Darnold plays and a few other young players, but realistically, a lot of Jet fans are going to be hoping that they lose most of their remaining games to get a top two, three, four pick, and fortunately for those fans, the schedule will be conducive to losing with them having five of their six remaining games against teams who are 500 or better, and the other game being on the road against the Buffalo team who just beat them by 31 points. So, you know, I think the key debate or the main debate of the Jets offseason is going to be, should they go after and try to sign Pittsburgh Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell, who is now officially out for the entire year. This has been one of the more unique situations, I would say, in football over the past few years. Bell, when playing, is arguably one of the two or three best running backs and all around maybe offensive players in the NFL. And I think something that is important to remember, out of sight, out of mind, is a very real thing. I think a lot of people are forgetting just how good Le'Veon Bell is because they haven't seen him play since January in that playoff loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Bell has not played this year. James Conner has done excellent filling in for him. And I think the reaction has basically been that Bell is overrated a replacement level player. I think there's also a lot of animosity uh, from sports fans from a guy uh, walking away from a potential contract because he viewed the situation as Pittsburgh was going to give him 400 touches this year. They weren't going to play him long term. Uh, and he was going to have to hit the market with that many more miles on him, uh, limiting his long term value. Now, I'm not going to spend any time going into the Steelers Bell situation. That's a whole different conversation that, frankly, I don't care all that much about. Uh, I think we'll hit on some of the things coming out of it uh, and some questions about him and some concerns about him because uh, they certainly exist. But let's focus on Bell hitting free agency and the Jets prospectively going after him. Now, off the top, there is nobody, and if you follow me on Twitter and you follow Turn on the Jets, there is nobody who thinks less 
of the positional value of running backs than me. I think it's the most replaceable position in football, uh, along with receiver being pretty close behind it, uh, and some of the other positions on defense, you know, non-pass rushing, defensive lineman, uh, safety, inside linebacker. Uh, ironically, this is these are positions that the Jets usually focus on, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, but with running back, how can I rip the Giants constantly for taking Saquon Barkley second overall? How can I constantly say that running backs are a dime a dozen and then advocate for the Jets to go sign Le'Veon Bell, who's going to want big money? It's a fair question, but there is context in every single situation, uh, and situations are, are different team to team. The Giants took Saquon Barkley despite needing a quarterback long-term, as we see from Eli Manning this year, when there were multiple options available for them to take, whether it was Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or even Josh Allen, which I think would have been a mistake. The point is is that they passed on addressing quarterback, the most important position in the sport, to take running back. And as you can see, Barkley's been great. The Giants are still awful because their defense isn't good. Their offensive line isn't good. Eli Manning isn't good. Nobody's good on that team except for Barkley and Odell. And it hasn't mattered. So you know, you're seeing the limits of positional value of receiver running back. And also the Giants are now paying Barkley as one of the highest-paid running backs in the league, despite him being a rookie, and they're tight up against the salary cap uh, with some of the moves they made in acquiring Alec Ogletree and some of the other decisions that they made. They built themselves to be a win-now team. They miscalculated what their roster is, and now they're 2-7 and competing with the Jets for a top-five pick for the second year in a row. I do think generally that, yes, running backs are particularly replaceable and can usually be found in the mid to late rounds. We see this with Kareem Hunt. We see this with Alvin Kamara. We see smart teams targeting and and hitting on these picks. The Saints draft very well. It's why they're consistently one of the best teams in the NFL. They're the team that gets Michael Thomas in the second round. They're the team that uh, gets Ryan Ramchick towards the back half of the first round and has him immediately plug in as an effective starter. they have a strong front office in the scouting department. It's why they built sustainable success. Exact same thing with the Chiefs. They drafted Kev- Travis Kelsey in the mid-rounds. They drafted Tyree Kill in the mid-rounds. <clears throat> with this Jets' current infrastructure uh, and them likely to maintain their current general manager, I don't know why you would be confident in the Jets finding a Le'Veon Bell-like talent in the middle rounds. When they've taken skill position swings in the middle rounds, it's been Ardarius Stewart. Chad Hansen, Jordan Leggett. Um, yes, they took Eli McGuire in the sixth round. He's shown some flashes, but he looks like he tops out as a complimentary back based on what we've seen from him so far. Don't delude yourself into thinking that McGuire is 100% a lead back because he's had a handful of nice plays over the, I don't know, what is it, 18 total games he's played in throughout his career. Uh, the Jets still need an overall lead back and more importantly, a playmaker. So, Context-wise, looking at the Jets' situation, they have $106 million in cap space, which is more than any team can reasonably spend. They had almost $100 million in cap space last year, and they came back with Tremaine Johnson, Spencer Long, Avery Williamson, uh, Terrell Pryor, 
Isaiah Crowell, and then a few other add-ons like Brandon Copeland and Andre Roberts. That's what your haul can look like around $100 million. That's what Mike McCagnan signed. There's no reason to think that potentially their haul this year could end up looking very similar because cap space is generally an overrated commodity. A lot of teams have a lot of cap space, and usually the players who hit free agency are not all that valuable. Teams keep their best players at their most valuable positions and don't let them hit free agency, which is why the Kirk Cousins situation last year was so unique and why the Le'Veon Bell situation last year was so unique. You usually don't see blue-chip talent hit the market. And with Cousins, you could say, okay, he's not blue chip talent, but you usually don't see good starting quarterbacks hit the free agent market, which is why it was smart for the Jets to be in the mix there. With Bell, not a premium position, but a legitimate blue chip talent and a guy who's been one of the best players in the NFL and is still 27 years old, coming off a year where he didn't play at all. So he should be fresh coming back, theoretically. Uh, $106 million in cap space. Looking at who else is available on the market from a skill position standpoint, some of the names that are at the top of the list, Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram, outside of that at the receiver position, uh, Devin Funches, Randall Cobb, Tyrell Williams. Offensive line, not a particularly strong crop. Last year was a stronger crop, and the Jets missed out on getting uh, a Weston Richburg. Uh, They missed out on getting an Andrew Norwell to clean up their guard position. So you have a guy like Matt Paradis, who's now coming off a season-ending injury, might be an upgraded center. You have Roger Saffold, who's a little up there in age, who may not ultimately hit the market. He may end up getting re-signed. That could be the case for a lot of the guys that you see listed right now at the top of the list. A lot of people want the Jets go get Ali Marpet. Great young player. The Bucks signed him. They're not going to let a good young offensive lineman hit the market. And that's going to be the case with a lot of the linemen and pass rushers you currently see listed. It's why the Jets didn't have a chance to sign Demarcus Lawrence last year or Ezekiel Ansah. It's very rare for quality pass rushers to hit the market. Now, a few will probably trickle through this year. And the Jets, along with many other teams, will be bidding for them. Same with all the other guys I just mentioned. The Falcons might re-sign Tevin Coleman. Devontae Freeman's coming off missing the bulk of the year and being on IR. If they don't sign Tevin Coleman, they'll be competing with the Eagles and the Colts and every other team who has a ton of cap space to go get him. Just because you have cap space does not mean you're going to land the guys you want to get. The Jets tried to get Khalil Mack in a trade. They couldn't do it. They tried to sign Jarek McKinnon. They couldn't do it. They tried to sign Weston Richburg. They couldn't do it. They weren't even serious contenders for Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Sammy Watkins, some of the other talented guys who hit the market last year. You're not going to get your dream list. So for everyone who's saying, well, don't sign Bell, just sign uh, Tevin Coleman, Tyrell Williams, uh, Roger Saffold, Matt Paradis, uh, Dante Fowler, and Shane Ray instead. Great, that looks good on paper. And ironically, the Jets could probably sign all six of those guys and still sign Bell with the amount of cap space they have. But the reality is, it's not going to be that easy. There's going to be other teams bidding against them who might outbid them or might present better situations or better opportunities. Particularly, um, teams who are further along and winning have a more established infrastructure. Uh, so when you look at it, with that much cap space, $106 million in cap space, the Jets can pay Bell what he needs to be paid. 
and they can load that money up in the first two years of the contract, like every NFL contract is basically set up now, and find a way for them to get out after two or three years so it lines up with the corresponding years of Sam Darnold's rookie contract, uh, where it's not going to eat up all that cap. So maybe the Jets lay out a deal that uh, is 15 to $18 million per year. So of your 106, which could very well be 116 if you make a couple in-house moves, 15 of it goes to Le'Veon Bell. That leaves you... $90 million to go sign whatever offensive lineman you could get your hands on, to go add a pass rusher or two, and to go add depth at receiver or tight end, and still have money left over to bring Quincy Inouye back and maybe do a new deal with Hunter Williams, and you'd still have money left over that. What is unique about the Jets' situation is three things. They have an excessive amount of cap space where they can sign Bell and still make all the additions that they need to. They have this because they have a quarterback on a rookie contract. There is nothing more important than spending and building around your rookie quarterback while you're not paying him that much. In four years, the Jets are hopefully going to be paying Sam Darnold, at the time, the biggest contract in the NFL that is going to eat up their entire salary cap and limit their flexibility. The Rams and the Eagles have given you the template on how you spend around your young quarterbacks in year two and year three to take advantage of the remaining four years on their rookie contract. The Bears have done this too. Look how aggressive the Rams, Eagles, and Bears have been in spending around their quarterbacks. The Bears this past offseason, Trey Burton, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, they actually go get the Khalil Mack deal done instead of almost getting it like the Jets did. You look at the Rams... They go out, they get Ndamukong Sue, they get Marcus Peters, they get Aqib Tlaib, uh, they trade for Brandon Cooks, they go sign Robert Woods in free agency, they already have Gurley on the roster, they continue to add depth on both sides of the ball by being aggressive. The Eagles last year when they won the Super Bowl, they go get Alshon Jeffrey, they go get Torrey Smith, they trade for Jay Ajayi in the middle of the season. Uh, they make aggressive additions all over the place because they have the cap flexibility to do it, and look how it's paid off for those teams. I understand the Eagles are struggling right now. They want a Super Bowl uh, to show for it, and the Rams are arguably the best team in the NFL. You have a unique situation when you have a rookie quarterback to continue to spend and take a swing on this kind of deal because nothing, when you give up as much as the Jets did, nothing is more important than setting up Sam Darnold for success. You have to give Darnold every chance to succeed in year two, year three, year four, and year five of his rookie contract. You could give Bell that money, concentrate it in Darnold's second year, third year, and maybe his fourth year, and then have him come off the books as you're going to need the money to pay Darnold. But that will help Darnold develop as an NFL player because Le'Veon Bell is a unique, special talent. Le'Veon Bell is more than a running back. He does more for the overall team uh, than just run the football. Bell had 655 receiving yards last year and two receiving touchdowns with 85 receptions. The year before, 75 receptions for 616 yards with two touchdowns. In 2014, 83 receptions for 854 yards with three receiving touchdowns. That's on top of him running for over 1,200 yards the past two years and running for over 1,300 yards in 2014. Those numbers 
He's been a better receiver than just about any receiver on the Jets have been in res- recent years. And you guys know I love Quincy Inouye, I love Robbie Anderson, but those guys haven't been able to stay healthy the past couple of years and haven't been able to have consistent production. So with Bell, he will help you in your running game. He will help Sam Darnold in the passing game, uh, both in pass pro and as a pass catcher, and make life that much easier on him. Right now, Sam Darnold is giving the ball to Isaiah Crowell, who outside of a fluke Denver game is averaging 3.2 yards per carry and can't catch the football and can't pass pro. He's throwing wheel routes to Trenton Cannon, who probably barely merits an NFL roster spot. You swap those reps in for a guy like Bell, his life is going to be that much easier. And yes, it is a fair point to make that Bell is a running back. His success is going to be dependent on having a capable offensive line in front of him. I agree. And having a smart offensive scheme in place. I agree. The Jets are going to have a new coaching staff next year. Hopefully they make a smart hire like the Bears did in hiring Matt Nagy, and they build a a smart, forward-thinking offense that will make life easier for Darnold and make life easier for a guy like Bell, like the Bears are currently doing for Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. I think... You know, when you talk about the offensive line, of course, in a perfect world, you want to build what the Cowboys had in the offensive line a couple of years ago. It's easier said than done, and it's not going to be done in one off season. You can't just say, we're not going to add any skill position talent until we have an absolutely perfect offensive line, because that's never going to happen. And you're going to let years rip by on Darnold's rookie contract, where he's handing the ball to freaking Isaiah Crowell and trying to throw passes to Trenton Cannon, and it's not good enough to help his development. So, to remind you that the Jets can sign Bell, still use all their draft picks, and still spend more money on top of that. They have 106 to potentially $116 million in cap space if they let Buster Screen walk, if they cut ties with Jermaine Curse, if they let Isaiah Crowell and Spencer Long walk, guys who they are not going to win with long term. You do that, you have 100, let's say, let's call it $110 million in cap space. Spend 15 to 17 on Bell next year. Go sign Matt Paradis. Overpay for him. Make him your new starting center. Go pay Roger Saffold if he does hit the market, which he might not. Maybe go pay Quentin Spain. You could pay two starting offensive linemen, which is probably the max you're going to be able to do. And you could still use your first-round pick on a left tackle if you want, if the board breaks that way. And still pay Bell and still have money to spend. I just don't think people are wrapping their head around exactly how much money this team has. They could have an offseason, and change the trajectory of their offseason, if they sign Le'Veon Bell when the league year opens, that changes what type of destination they are. So you get Bell, and then you have a much more compelling case to make to some of these offensive linemen who are going to be made to look that much better with a player like Bell running behind them and increase their value. You think guys want to come here and block for Trenton Cannon and Isaiah Crowell? No, it's not going to make them look good because your running game is going to be putrid statistically. They want to block for a guy like Bell who is going to make them look good and increase their value, and it makes it less likely that the Jets are going to get outbid like they did last year when they couldn't couldn't get Weston Richburg because the Niners made a more compelling pitch to them because they had Jimmy Garoppolo in place, and they were getting Jarek McKinnon. It was a better overall situation than the Jets had. So you get Bell, then you go pay two offensive linemen, and then maybe you draft another offensive lineman in the first round. Two of the three spots are upgraded. They're not going to move on from Brandon Shell. He's going to be a starter for them next year. And they might not, they're not going to move on from all five current guys. And they don't need to either. With a better scheme and better talent, they will perform better. There are usable pieces on this unit going forward. They need to upgrade center. They need to upgrade guard. Long term, they probably need another answer at left tackle. But they're going to probably keep two starters at least for next year. So you pay Bell. 
you pay a couple offensive linemen, maybe you draft your pass rusher in the first round, and maybe you add another one in free agency. The Jets could very well go out, sign Le'Veon Bell, sign Quentin Spain, sign Matt Paradis, sign Shane Ray, uh, draft another pass rusher or an offensive tackle in the first round, and sign a guy like Tyrell Williams or Philip Dorsett uh, or somebody else to add more depth to their group of receivers because there's no massive name. You're not going to go spend $15 million on Devin Funches. You're not going to spend $10 million on Randall Cobb. You're going to add more depth to round out your group of receivers. Maybe you sign Dorsett or an Ellington or a Tyrell Williams to a three to $7 million, depending on which of the three guys it is, per year deal, and you add some more depth from there. You can do all of that Pay Quincy Inouye to come back, and you will still have money to spend. It is a rare situation where a guy as good as Bell hits the free agent market like this, and you need to be ready to take advantage of opportunities like that. That is the one benefit of keeping this much cap space. Saving your cap space for a rainy day does not work. This is what we've seen the Jets do repeatedly, and they're in an eight-year playoff drought. Everyone, oh, how much cap space did they have before 2014? Look at their free agent hall. Wasn't good enough to turn things around. Oh, look at how much cap space they have heading into 20, this past year, 2018. Wasn't enough to lead a turnaround. Even what they did in 2015 was all... Older players, short-term Band-Aid, got you 110 10-6 season with no playoff appearances and did lasting damage after that. You have the cap space. Use it on a guy in his prime who has at least two or three more years in his prime who will make a huge difference for your rookie quarterback. It is a no-brainer because it's a unique situation. Yes, running backs are replaceable, but Bell is one of the best in the NFL and you can afford to add the pieces around him to make him increasingly valuable. And you have a rookie quarterback, so you need to do what you can to make him succeed. That's it. I, I mean, I the panics about Bell and how is he a team guy? Uh, could he potentially get suspended? Those are fair, right? I mean, I, I don't necessarily buy into the team guy stuff. I think he's looking out for his own health, and he's still going to get paid. Uh, it was an unconventional move, but I don't hold it against him because NFL players' lives are, you know, they have a short shelf life when they're going to get paid. So I'm all for hearing the arguments that maybe he didn't handle this perfect from a business standpoint. He's going to get paid. If the Jets don't pay him, the Colts will pay him, the Eagles will pay him. Somebody is going to pay him because when you could play football the way Le'Veon Bell could play football, there will be a spot for you in the NFL with a big contract. So he'll get paid. Concerns about the locker room and chemistry. I'm so exhausted of hearing about this. All we hear about is the Jets' chemistry. They have great chemistry. They have great chemistry. Who cares? They suck on the football field. They're terrible every single year. They had bad chemistry in 2016. They're 5-11. and They had good chemistry in 2017. They're 5-11. and They have good chemistry this year. They're going to be 4-12 and or 3-13. and Good chemistry comes from winning football games. Good culture comes from winning football games. Don't talk about the Jets' culture and the Jets' chemistry. No one cares about that. They care about winning football games, and that stuff derives out of winning football games. The Jets are bad because they don't have enough good football players, and they have a lot of bad football players paying major reps. Go get good football players. Start winning. It will help you recruit and draft better and make smarter decisions, and then you could start winning games and actually change the culture. You do need 
when you've been as bad as you've been as long as the Jets, you do need to overpay for things and do things that conventionally don't always make sense. So the Jets had to overpay for Tremaine Johnson last year. It was a bad decision, certainly looking now in retrospect. They have to pay a tax because they've been bad for so long. The Jets are going to have to pay a tax and do something unconventional in getting Le'Veon Bell because I got news for you with this front office. If they do stick around, which they shouldn't, this team has missed the playoffs eight years in a row. They've missed the playoffs the first four years that this general manager has been in business. This is the second year in a row they're going to have over $100 million in cap space. It's Sam Darnold's second year. Some would argue like what will basically be a make-or-break year for him, year two and year three. You cannot go out this offseason and come back with a haul of, well, we brought back Isaiah Crowell, uh, we signed Randall Cobb, uh, we signed... Um, you know, we made a good run at Tevin Coleman, but we couldn't land him. We added one more offensive lineman to the mix. What I'm saying is you can't come back with another underwhelming haul, which is what the Jets had last offseason. You need to have that headline player because this front office is rightly feeling the pressure. You can't line Sam Darnold up next year with the same starting running back, with the same starting receivers, and four of the same five offensive linemen, and expect that to be considered good enough when you had $100 million in cap space. It's an offensive league. I shared this stat earlier. You look at the top 10 defensive DVOAs, eight of those 10 teams are terrible, and they're not going to make the playoffs, and they're not going to be over 500. Nine of the 10 teams who are in the top 10 offensive DVOAs are over 500 and are going to be competing for a Super Bowl. The teams who are in the top for the offensive DVOA, Chiefs, Rams, Panthers, Patriots, Packers, all these teams who are going to be competing for a Super Bowl, they have bad defenses. The Chiefs' defense is terrible. The Rams' defense has not been good at all this year. The Packers' defense, inconsistent. Patriots' defense, inconsistent. doesn't matter. Look at the top 10 defenses in DVOA. The Bills, they're 3-7. and seven. The Broncos, they're 3-6. and six. The Browns, they're 3-6-1. and one. The Jets are 13th in DVOA. They're terrible. They just lost 41-10 to Matt Barkley. It's an offensive league. No one cares if you have a good defense. It doesn't matter. You could win with a bad defense. You can't win with a bad offense. So when you're spending your money and you're allocating your resources, put it on the offensive side of the football. Go sign a couple pass rushers. Absolutely. It will make the defense better, and it's good to be able to get after the quarterback. But it's an offensive league. If you can't scare, score points, it doesn't matter. Again, Jets have a pretty good defense this year. They're going to go 3-13. and 13. Bills have a good defense this year. They're going to go 3-13. and 13. Broncos have a good defense this year. They're going to go 4-12 and 12 or 5-11. and 11. It trickles all the way down. The Cardinals, top five in defensive DVOA, 4-12. and 12. Offensive teams, Chiefs defense can't stop anybody. They're going to go 14-2 and two and probably go to the Super Bowl. Rams can't stop anybody. Couldn't stop the Seahawks at all last week. Still won. Still going to go 14-2. and two. Get with the times. No one cares about your defense. No one cares about stopping the run. No one cares about any of that stuff. It doesn't work. You need to score points. You need to throw the football. You need to move the chains. And you need to win football games. Stop talking about culture. Stop talking about chemistry. Go get talented football players who can score touchdowns so you could actually win some football games. All right, that is my rant. I'm sure we'll be fighting about this more on Twitter and the website over the next four months because really there's not all that much to talk about when your team is 3-7. and seven. Hopefully Darnold's back healthy against the Pats because that is something to watch and focus on. But beyond that, we're just running out the string here, folks, so we got to talk about the offseason. Thank you for listening. I'll be back on Thursday with our normal, regularly scheduled episode.